Boxygen is Sam France and Jonathan Rado, an experimental and progressive indie music production duo based in Los Angeles, California. Following a musical encounter in high school, Sam and Jonathan realized a shared affinity of classic artists such as Led Zeppelin and Lou Reed, and the Westlake duo began writing their own original compositions via Foxygen. You're tuned into Roots to Grooves. It is Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse Quigley. Sitting across from me is Jay Purcell. That makes this Roots to Grooves. Thank you for listening. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. What's yes. good, Jay? How are you? Pretty good. How you doing? Doing very good. Happy to be alive. Hashtag grateful. Ooh, hashtag grateful. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening, tuning in. We are talking about Foxygen today. Foxygen, yeah. Not foxes, not oxygen, but Foxygen. Yeah. Duo um out of la right uh yeah west lake yeah. village west lake village was that was that right yeah i had to look that up west lake uh, village california um los angeles area city yeah in uh in la yeah uh sam france and jonathan rado yeah basically a duo like you said those are their names yeah um yeah so i mean yeah let's just start from the top what do these guys play i i this was my pick for the week yeah so these guys are cool, like kind of throwback vibes. Their first album was kind of lo-fi. Mm. Um, they're known for being kind of sporadic and almost, I mean, I've seen it described as ADD. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there'll be some significant changes in the style of music right? Um, within the same track yeah, yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so they, they really like to switch it up. And that's kind of why I um, you know, fell in with them, because I think that's really cool. Um, it's kind of very postmodern in their, their mix of genre mashing. Yeah. Um, and uh, influences for, I got lists of influences such as uh, Eric Burton from, I think, The Animals, mm. Rolling Stones, David Bowie, The Kinks, mm-hmm. Lou Reed, mm-hmm. a little bit of Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, Spill, Phil Spector. I was yep. about to say Spill Fector, I think. <laughs> Spill Fector. <laughs> uh, Phil Spector and his wall of sound. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, what do you think about Foxygen, Jay? Really good. I hadn't heard of them at all. Um, Started listening to their first proper studio album, 2011, Take the Kids Off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Really lo-fi vibe. Um, it's like rock, pop. It sounds a lot like early Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. very 60s kind of vibe. Very, very lo-fi. Not as lo-fi as Ariel Pink, maybe. He's, he's, he's the maximum lo-fi. He's the maximum lo-fi. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was good. It was just very... Uh, retro sounding to me i couldn't mm-hmm. believe it was made in modern times because it definitely right. has that vibe that sounds like it came from the 60s or something like that yeah no 100 percent. you know based on their yeah. influences as well and yeah and like you say very eclectic um their sound as i listen to all the albums and we'll talk about it as we go forward but yeah it, it, there's a lot of you can see there's hear a lot of their influences in the music mm-hmm and they're all there, like at different moments, like especially in songs, individual songs as well. It will mm-hmm. go from, oh, that sounds like Lou Reed to, no, that sounds like Mick Jagger, like yeah. in one song kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know yeah. how conscious they're doing that or if yeah. it's just coming out through their, um, you know, unbridled 
yeah, yeah. subconscious influence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very cool. And they're, yeah, they're, they're almost, um, you can describe them as almost like an art rock or performance type mm-hmm. act. Yeah. Um, more so than like a band. Right. But they are a band and they're coming out with good original music. So yeah. don't get me wrong. Um, but just the way that they, they kind of dress up and they kind of put on a show um, with their, their live shows and with like the music and their albums. Yeah. And the, the kind of the way they tie it together with themes. Yeah, theatrical is what some mm-hmm. people have described as unique and unabashed and, and theatrical. Yes. Retrolicious is a nice word I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think they're, they can be a bit whimsical and quirky as well. Very, yeah. Like, that's a great way. Lyrics. Especially that song we just heard there. Uh, I was trying to work out at first like what the backing vocal was because it was like, what was it? I left my love in San Francisco. I left my heart in San Francisco. My, and then it's like, I thought it, I thought the backing vocals was like, it's okay, I'm bored anyway. Mm-hmm. I oh, think, yeah. I think it's it's okay, I'm, I was born in LA. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think born. <laughs> it could be bored. I think they might have alternated it. I'm not sure. But, Maybe, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that, but that's a good point. It was kind of funny, though, and the timing of that, like the phrasing of when mm-hmm. it came in, it sounded like he was going to, it would be like running into another vocal or something. That was just a weird observation I had on that song. No, but, I like yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Astute yeah. observation. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. so, yeah, that was basically like the first, um, one of the first songs that I discovered this band. Yeah. I don't know how I discovered them on a Spotify playlist or something kind of randomly, yeah. as far as I know. Um, and I just kind of listened to that second album and it was just, it was blowing me away. I liked, liked it a lot. Yeah. Just um, their their vibes and everything. Yeah. Uh, that's That was my discovery. They're on Jag Jaguar. Yeah. Uh, record label. Which we've mentioned before and I, I was like, who? Artist was on that label that we mentioned, right? And I know Unknown Mortal Orchestra had a track out on, okay, there or an go. album on them. I was so, trying to remember that as well. Yeah, that was who we did. And then I think they had some other people that we haven't done episodes on. Dinosaur Junior was like mm. a, another artist that I've heard of, but not really heard the music of. Yeah, they've come up and I've seen that name a lot. Yeah, I think they have a pretty big following. Yeah, kind of a cult following, I think. Yeah, Bon Iver is on there as well. Mm-hmm. I know them. Bonnie Vare. Bonnie Vare. Oh, yeah. It's one of those bands. Like, we <laughs> get the pronunciation correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Good overview. Do it. Shall we mm-hmm. spin a track? Um, yeah. I was just going to say that we, they have like four albums out. Yeah. 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 LPs. And they've all been on the same Jag Jaguar. Um, just, and that was, that was the last thing I want to say for my overview. Yeah. But cool band. And then we have a, I think Jay's going to introduce a song for us to play, get another, another vibe check. Yeah, so this was earlier than the original track we played. This is off of their first uh, full-length studio album, as they call it, Teenage Alien Blues. snippet of Teenage Early and Blues from Foxy Gen, their album Take the Kids Off Broad Sorry, Take the Kids Off Broadway not Off yeah. Off Broadway <laughs> uh, I interrupted that because that is a 10 minute long jam track mm. that, um, but as you can hear 
crazy, right? It's like so retro sounding. Yeah. It sounds like it came straight out of the seventies. Yeah, or like a Rolling Stones jam session or something like that. Yeah, it sounds like, like a yeah. I mean it could be a Rolling Stones B side that never got released or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh obviously some influence yeah. with uh, you know, Mick Jagger or yeah, yeah. Uh, Lou Reed vocal styling, some Velvet Underground a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, those vocals very buried in the mix. Yeah. Uh, the the switch ups of the style. Yeah, yeah. You know, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, all this stuff is very, it's pretty engaging and interesting to listen to throughout each track. Yeah. So yeah. And also, dope. we'll talk about um, in a little bit maybe, but I just want to say that was recorded just with those two guys in their apartment in Queens. Wow. Okay. Cool. And we'll talk about how they ended up nice. there later. Foreshadowing. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Where are we at? So let's kind of dig back into where these guys come from. Early years. Early years. Where yeah. we got? I know they were. Uh, they met in high school. Yeah. So I don't know if I don't have any background information before that. To be honest. Yeah. No childhood info um, about their household and that. Just the, they talk a lot about their school time. Um, mm-hmm. They. They said that they uh, they formed the band in ninth grade, I think, or sort of came together. Yeah, um, it was when they were about 14 years old. Yeah. So this was like 2003. Yeah, they said they knew each other before then. They didn't go into detail. But um, uh, I think for, but, yeah. well, for as as far as I know, they, they basically started, they were in a band together. Right, at and, school, yeah. And they yeah. didn't, they didn't particularly know each other. Okay. Yeah. But then they started making a side project together. Yeah. And that's kind of where they, they started making music and that's where their friendship began and their band began, basically. Yeah, they said that they uh, they started just... Um, they said they made these recordings where they were jamming and they said it sounded like The Doors. Um, and then he's, uh, this is Rado that said this and Sam France, the other guy in the band, he said he took those jam recordings home and put overdubs on it. Mm-hmm. And then... Rado was like, wow, that's, it blew him away kind of thing. And that was kind of, once they did that, they were like, that's where Foxygen came from kind of thing. Like the Foxygen the Genesis. The Genesis, yeah. Nice. Um, I mean, so, I mean the, basically that's their story. And then they never yeah. stopped making music after that. And yeah. we'll, we'll touch on that because they may or may not be in a hiatus right. um, yeah. as a band right now. But Don't they, know. Interesting. They did a lot of stuff, though, when they were still at school. They said they recorded like at least six or seven EPs. Mm-hmm. Some full-length albums. They said uh, one of the albums they did ended up being like two hours long or something. Like this is like early, early shit that um, I'm not sure if they might have it on a Bandcamp somewhere. I didn't check that, but mm-hmm. um, um, uh, yeah. yeah, I bet you could find it somewhere. We yeah, we, maybe we should have gone into a little deeper research mode. Yeah, this is like their pre-catalog, basically. But I mean, this like, is kids you know, in high school. Yeah, yeah, you know, teenagers and that. Yeah. Um, not and yeah, just like lots of really interesting techniques of way those they were making music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this was like early um, computer days, you know. So I mean, you know, uh, I guess we're sort of, yeah, like early two thousands, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, stuff like Logic did exist and all that, and Pro Tools. I think that was back when Pro Tools was like 30 grand or something crazy like that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was top of the line, yeah, industry you, standard, Yeah, not easy to get. Um, so they were doing like a lot of like four track stuff again, mm-hmm. four track club. Um, and some very rudimentary um, computer stuff. I think Rado said that... Uh, I'm calling him Rado, just calling him I like, his last name. That sounds good to me. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good last name, by the way. He said that uh, there was this like uh, f- 
like animation software that he had on his computer and it was basically it had an audio in, input into it and the, i think the the use case for that is so you could record voiceovers for animations and sync them up to the animations on this really basic software mm. but he said it was the only software he had that could record audio so like he was using that to like <laughs> record into the computer yeah that's a very cool story yeah and very um, DIY very DIY and then yeah from there they've like experimented other ways like recording on four tracks and then recording into the computer mm -hmm. but again like early software like there was this one software he mentioned called um uh, Soundforge I think yeah which I used back in the day and it was basically just like a waveform editor I don't know if anyone's ever used like audacity or anything like that yeah I've uh, used audacity yeah so it's basically like it's just like one waveform and you're constantly like bouncing over the top of it. Like you'll record something in and if it's like not quite at the right level, you have to undo it and then sort of tweak your level and then rebounce it again and basically keep pasting on top of it until you're finished. It's layer by layer. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. And I think that's, Radio said they mostly made that album that way, um, Take the Kids Off Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, and even before that, they had one, crazy album titled the jurassic explosion philippic i don't know how i pronounce wow, that album. wow yeah, <laughs> and before yeah, we go yeah. um too much yeah. into the future i just wanted to notice that or or say that i believe they were about 14 years old or whatever they were in high school and they were in this band and they they won a battle of the bands yeah they did actually yeah yeah um i it was agora high school okay yeah. Battle of the Vans. Right. So, I mean, that's all I got on that. But I just wanted yeah. to touch on that because obviously, based on what you were saying, they were doing a lot of good work. Yeah. Um, exploring and just trying new things and getting into music and seeing what it's all about at a pretty pretty early age. Yeah. And interestingly, just spending a lot of time focused on the recording side of things. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, the fact that they strung together all these EPs and sort of albums whilst they were still in school um, versus you know, traditional, get the band together, rehearse a bunch of songs and play shows and right. maybe barely record anything kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I think I've kind of heard them say that they have, at times they haven't really con considered themselves a band because mm -hmm. it's more of a duo and more recording based kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Like, I, I think essentially they've, they've been exploring that from the very beginning. Yeah. Like we're make, let's make music. This seems interesting, but they're always been asking like, what are we, Yeah, you know, or is this just a, a fun side project or are we trying to like really make it and be like a crossover band where that makes it mainstream? Yeah. Cause, and, and we haven't really said that they never, they haven't really made it to that level of mainstream, mm. like success as a band. Yeah. They've, they've had a lot of success and played a lot of shows and yeah. a lot of acclaim. 100% but people don't know this band is like you know a big name like yeah any of these other you know, no, I, arcade fire or the strokes or whatever yeah I haven't heard of them at all well I don't think um and usually if I haven't heard of a band I've like maybe heard a couple of tracks or something yeah like, that's been out in a coffee shop somewhere but yeah I don't really recognize <laughs> any mm -hmm. of that either but they have they've been around for such a long time though yeah but like you say they haven't and we'll talk about that a little bit later as well because I think that's kind of touches on where they're at now and what they're going to do next sort of thing but 100 um, percent um but uh yeah. so let's i mean let's talk uh music so they yeah. i know i do know they this was about 2003 i guess too same time period mm. um and they bonded over a movie 
So another good movie for a movie night list that I don't think we were actually writing it down, but I hope you guys are paying we'll attention. We have to go back and listen to every episode and write it down. Yeah, <laughs> we, we are. Uh, but there's a rockumentary called Dig. Mm. I think it's Dig, D-I-G with an exclamation mark. Uh, okay. um, and they, they shared inspiration. It's about a 2003 documentary, mm-hmm. American documentary about the collision of art and commerce through the eyes of the Dandy Warhols. Which is uh, a band? Yeah, yeah, heard of them. Yeah, yeah, they have at least one or two cool tracks that I like. Yeah, um, but I I never really followed them. Yeah, but I heard like years ago, like when I was a kid. Yeah. So it's about the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown massacre like, mm. with the Kool Aid. Right. And there was some kind of story there. Okay. Which is what this documentary is about, and it's focusing on the developing careers and the love hate relationship of the band's respective frontman Courtney Taylor Taylor and Anton Newcomb. There you go. So it actually sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Whether you're more in it for music or, uh, you know, just pop culture mm-hmm. about the the massacre and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds interesting. I'm, I got it on my list to watch this week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but just another a little thing. They watched that. They bonded over it. Mm-hmm. They're really sharing the, their musical inspirations, and you know, they're they're you know developing a friendship over this, and and a, beyond that, a band. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. They always said they um. They kind of shared a lot, um, yeah, similar interests and mm-hmm. aesthetics and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I, I know, like, Rado, I think, like, went to school dressed up as a cowboy, like, sometimes. He said, yeah, I like, read that. Kind of didn't really give a fuck. Like, he mm-hmm. said he could always carry around a harmonica and uh, sometimes an acoustic guitar. And then um, Sam would, like, rap over it, like, like Beck style or something like right, that. Right, <laughs> like, he's playing, like, a country jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he's, he's rapping, like, Beck. Yeah, yeah. So So from the very beginning, and I remember they did say they were unashamed about these stories. Yeah. Like, they've always been, like, wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, I'm just going to try to be myself, do whatever yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Even if it's weird, especially if it's weird. Yeah. Um, and so for that, I really, I really like them both for taking that on. It's just cool, yeah, because if you think, like, you know, probably back then, but even now as well, like the bullying factor at school kind of thing. You know, if you do yeah. stuff like that, you're going to get picked on or whatever. But yeah, didn't seem like they had too much trouble with that. Not that they talked about, but um, I, I bet they, I like, bet they were bullies, but I bet they yeah. just didn't really care or pay attention to it. Yeah. Because they're just kind of wrapped up in the art of it. That's something I thought. Yeah. I had this conversation the other day with someone was like, um, that's another like way why music can save you because I think like if you're in school and you're a bit of an oddball and you're doing these things, but with these guys especially, they were just like so immersed in making music the whole time mm-hmm. that I think that's really healthy to have that other focus or passion yeah. whilst you're at school because I think it can it can uh, save you from like you know no any it, type it, of bullying or what or people who might be trying to sort of it's some sort alienate. of safe haven yeah yeah. Like if you're not if you're not focused on anything else, then the bullying is the only thing right. Yeah, you're focused on, and that's not healthy. But if they're saying something at you, and you're like, "Well, I don't care. We just made this fucking great track last yeah. night, and we're like into that." You know, that's a different. I don't thing. care what yeah. you think. <laughs> but, so, um, yeah, uh, and then I don't know where we go from here. Oh, they did go to college. They did. Yeah, they uh, uh, separately. Yeah, yeah, they they separated. John uh, Rado. Went to school. I can't. I don't know where he went to school. Do you know that? He went to New York uh, nice. for School of Visual Arts, and he was studying screenwriting. Yes. Okay. Cool. Astute observation or uh, yeah. fact. Yeah. Research there, and then Sam France went to Evergreen in our our home state here, not too far. Yeah. 
Olympia, right? Is it yeah. in, in Olympia or near Olympia? I right. good question. Yeah. Let us know. I think he said in Olympia, but I don't know. Let's say around the the greater Olympia area. <laughs> the great. Olympia being the capital of Washington State. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they were like studying separately, still stayed in touch. I know at this time Rado had a small apartment in Queens. He said it was like the size of a closet. And he said he was going crazy, like I bet. in that tiny space. Um, he went out and got like some tape machines and some like uh, Casio keyboards. And then eventually, I think, I'm not sure if uh, Sam just visited or whether he just he dropped out. And I think he just dropped out of Ever Evergreen Olympia and went to go live with Rado in Queens. Yeah. Um, so they were on opposite coasts. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I was, I was, I don't know if Sam was joking. I saw an interview where he was talking about what he learned yeah. or what he was studying. And I, he said <laughs> birds, like Native American. Or a cornucology or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Just like a, you know, a cornucopia of different disparate mm -hmm. subjects. Uh, and I don't know if it was true or not. I feel like it was, yeah, a, a little bit of truth and surrounded by bullshit. A little bit know. of exaggerated <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. Just the way he was saying it. He was just kind of, I don't know. No, it looked was, like they were having a good time in that interview. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Da, 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 yeah, so the, they're, they're in the, the Queen's apartment. And and it was there that they wrote um, this and recorded the material for Take the Kids Off Broadway. That's what took place. That album eventually came out in 2012. Yeah. Um, I think they originally first self-released it, they said. On a, on a label that they came up with themselves called Breakfast Horse. It's nice. The, it's the only stuff that that label was ever released. It's their own label or just a name. I don't know if it was ever a label. But. Yeah, it was never. <laughs> okay. It was a label specifically for that release yeah. and nothing else. So they did their own artwork for that. And then when they, they, it was this recording that got them signed to Jagger Jaguar and that label didn't like their artwork. So they changed it, but they put their original artwork on the back of it back oh. in the cd days i guess or something like that i don't know if they might have done a vinyl as well because now now there's no cover you know can we put these uh, pictures on the screen jay i'll find them i'll put them up now this is this is uh well this is the original cover right there nice I've and seen then that. Uh, side by side now i'll put up the the one that came out on jagger jaguar that's the one I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I haven't seen either of these yet. Now I have though. So it's All good. YouTube viewers are seeing them. I'm watching this with you guys, okay? <laughs> uh, so cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so there was, I don't know, there's a lot of time because they were like 14 in 2003. Yeah. Fast forward what we just talked about in 2012, their first LP comes out on their own label. Yeah. And this is the one that's very lo-fi. It's very ambitious, mm -hmm. sporadic, um, you know, harkens back to the 70s kind of vibes. Uh, and pretty schizophrenic in general. So, yeah, yeah. but but a, a good you know kind of thing that that put them on the scene, at least the underground scene, um, in their musical circles. Yeah, and was uh, more or less a success. Yeah, and I think it was somewhere along the line they came in contact with uh, this guy Richard Swift, who I think he used to be in the band The Shins, um, and I, it seems like he was like he sadly passed away in 2018 actually in Tacoma he passed hmm. away he was from California originally um he he uh yeah was like really well known within this sort of like I guess the indie 
rock music scene sort of thing, heavily linked up with that label, Jagger Jaguar. And uh, so, yeah, these guys from Foxygen knew him and had him as an inspiration. They got they got this album to him somehow, and he was like really into it and nice. got them signed up with Jagger Jaguar basically. And then probably like re-released it under that label. Yeah, re-released it under that label, and then after that, that's kind of what led to their second album, um, which Richard Swift produced, twenty thirteen. Um, yeah, so that's where they really start cooking, I think. Yeah, and so he. They said they got given $5,000 to make the album and they made it in nine days. They like wrote and recorded a song a day, they said. Wow. <laughs> and that was, the album is, We Are the 21st Century Ambassadors of Peace and Magic. Yes, yeah. 2013. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, that one reached up to 76 on the Billboard 200. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just go over my notes on this one. Spontaneous, as far as the influences go. Like like probably most of their albums, you could say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the focus and cohesion is next level on this. Mm-hmm. Like from their first album to this twenty first century album, they've they've risen risen above. Uh, it's nicely written songs. The songwriting is good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kind of smoky saloon folk folk rock flavor. Yeah, you know, da 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 sixties vibe, vintage. Uh, but it's it's still kind of lo-fi and vintage a little bit, but it's clearer, mm-hmm. more high-fidelity lo-fi, yeah. if that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, good songwriting. Production is great, better than the last album, but it's still modern and fresh. Yeah. So this is kind of what the first album that I discovered Foxygen on, and okay. this is what kind of turned me on to them. Yeah, they yeah. got the song San Francisco that I think, yeah. that's one of their you know big songs as far as fans. I think they really like to see them play that. Uh, it's kind of one of the the bigger songs in their discography, mm. and then also Shuggy. Actually, might, right right now, I think we should play Shuggy. Yeah. So this is a really good track off of Twenty First Century Ambassadors of Peace and Magic, twenty thirteen. call that track shuggy because uh i think they might be doing a nod to shuggy otis who was like this soul singer who uh is probably his most famous track is strawberry letter 23 or something like that Mm -hmm. um but there's that moment in that track there where they kind of went dun 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 and did like a little bit of a synth thing yeah funky thing yeah um but yeah that was uh, nice cool little fact there because yeah. i don't know where that came from but i just yeah. i i know that i like that song the switch ups there it's it's really intriguing yeah uh and yeah. it just feels really fun and Definitely. really yeah. you know kind of some of these parts of the songs it feels like kind of uh, i don't know what the word you say like whimsical yeah um but then some of it sounds like kind of badass yeah like it's like okay we're rocking right and so i like how they're going through and enough shifting these energies and it's really fun definitely yeah so yeah. really cool track yeah. uh i did that probably be my recommendation is start listening to 21st century ambassadors yeah i think so yeah yeah um 
solid album. Cool. I love how you have that 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 shuggy. Did you say shuggy or shuggy? I, I said I say shuggy. Shuggy or is because shuggy is a as a guy. Yeah. Okay. Guy. Cool. But um, I did not know. But this. I could be completely wrong. But I, I, I bet you're right. I feel that because of that switch up as Trust well. Your <laughs> Trust your gut. Trust your gut. I bet it's on point. Uh, so, well, yeah, yes, I'm, so I'm just moving along in the, the narrative of well, oxygen. Well, one thing before we get too far away timeline-wise. Time out. Yeah, that I wanted to say, um, um, and this relates to the first album, Get the Kids Off Broadway. Oh, take, take the Kids Off Broadway. Um, so basically... Rado managed to get a job for Gibson Guitars when he was working in New York. Um, he did end up dropping out of college as well um, because, well, skipping around timeline-wise, he he basically left college because they got the record deal with Jagger Jaguar and off the basis of this first album. And he, uh, um, like... You know, he said he didn't really see a career for himself as a screenwriter anyway. Like, if he graduated, so he was like, well, I have a record deal now. That seems like a better thing. And yeah, he wanted to be that. a record producer as well. Um, but, yeah, whilst he was in Queens in the college, he got this job for Gibson Guitars. And he was, like, crazy. Like he said, most of the time, his the showroom, they set up a showroom, and it was to basically supply guitars to, like, artists that were performing on the late-night shows. Oh, nice. So he'd be like the ones to like go to like David Letterman or Colbert Report and like deliver a guitar for like whoever was performing kind of thing. That's whoever cool. was sponsored by Gibson. And um, like the interviewer was like, oh, you must have met some cool people. And he's like, I didn't really hang out. He was like, he saw Lady Gaga once uh, performing there because he was delivering a guitar to the band. Mostly so, just to work yeah. though, another job. Yeah. It sounds like a cool job, though, nonetheless. Well, so the other cool thing about this is they said that the um, the Gibson showroom was set up in this building that used to be the Hit Factory. It used to be called the Hit Factory. It was the recording studio in New York. Um, I had to, like, look up to just frame of reference, like, what albums were recorded there. Like, it's everything from, like, Graceland by Paul Simon to Survivor by Destiny's Child. Uh, Madonna's recorded they're like Santana so some huge mega artists the Back to the Future soundtrack like all these oh. kind of crazy shit that's done there um, but he said like the rest of the building had been gutted out and renovated except for the basement uh, which is what Gibson used as their showroom and he said all of the equipment had been taken out but all the live rooms had been like left intact hmm. like, um, and so he said he basically recorded all the drums for take the kids off broadway in this in these spaces that were used to be the old hit factory Dang, what a cool story um but he did he had a sh kind of shitty setup though he just basically went into garage band with a usb one sm57 and a usb mixer <laughs> so he had this like he, old hitch factory studio but like one microphone to record like in this the drums. place with history exactly like, yeah, yeah probably the best equipment some of the best yeah. instruments yeah. And he's like, I'm going to use this room with my garage band exactly. and my little <laughs> yeah. portable microphone or whatever and make some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I love yeah. that. I mean, so these guys are just like DIY, like, who yeah. cares? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make music. I don't care where I'm at. Yeah, and that was the other thing like about recording-wise. Um, you know, when they came to work with Richard Swift for this, um, their second album, uh, uh, you know, he said they originally wanted to do it on tape, but Richard was like, that's going to take way longer 
um well i was going to bring like, that up a little bit yeah. later about yeah. like their production style or how they how they make music and stuff but i, I oh, was yeah. i i thought i was understanding that they do everything on tape so it's kind of been mixed matched yeah and uh -huh. um the only reason I bring this is up because he recorded, you know, in the old hit factory with one mic. Right. And he said that's kind of what he liked about Richard's approach as well because he likes to record drums with just one microphone as well. Mm -hmm. um, the difference being, though, that uh, um, they sort of really learned about, like, making sure, like, the instruments in the room sound good mm -hmm. like and not really rely on the equipment, you know. So he said, like, Richard had, like, a drum kit set up that just sounded perfect just to your ears when you're in the room so it's like then you don't need anything else you just need a, a microphone to and, pick that up yeah, yeah and done and yeah and then the tape thing you know richard said to record it all on pro tools because it would be quicker um mm -hmm. but still trying to achieve that aesthetic of it makes it sound like it's on tape kind of thing right um, so i was just kind of we can talk maybe more about the rest of the grander scheme of uh, recording or whatever, but um, I just thought it was kind of a little bit of an evolution there from between those two albums and how they recorded them and stuff. Like right. That. Like, no, that's, I love yeah. it. That's valuable. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So as far as I know, they they come out with that album. They're they're rock and rolling. More critical acclaim they got on the Billboard charts. Everything's looking good. Mm. Um, their friendship is blossoming. You know, so they start doing live shows. Mm. Uh, and they start touring nonstop internationally because they got signed on Jag, Jagu, Jag, Jagu, Jag, Jagu, I'm going to say Jag. Jag, Jaguar. Um, but yeah, so da, da, da. France was developing a re reputation for antagonistic or sometimes violent stage antics. So they're just kind of wild. I, uh, did, I, yeah. I did forget to mention I have seen this band live. Oh, yeah? Okay. So I, because I discovered them several years ago now, like probably three or four years ago. Maybe even five, but then I saw a band I brought up to you that you said you'd never heard, Young the Giant. Right. And they were playing at Mary Moore Park in Redmond. Yeah. And Foxygen was opening up for them. Okay. So uh, Young the Giant's great. Yeah. And I was going to see them. And I had, I did know Foxygen, but it was like a little surprise. I didn't realize they were playing okay. in front of Young the Giant. So I got to see like half their show. It was pretty good. Cool. It was pretty yeah. fun. They usually have a lot of people on stage, at least yeah. at this one, because yeah. they have some, you know, like horn players. Yeah. Percussion, the duo, mm -hmm. you know, they got a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just want to throw that out there that I have seen these guys and it was good stuff. Yeah. Um, cool, energetic show. I've heard uh, Sam has broken his wrist twice and his leg once on stage. Yeah. Like from all of this stuff. Yeah. Like, so that uh, paints the picture. Like yeah. they're, they're breaking bones <laughs> on stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. And, and furthermore, I think, you know, I was reading an interview and they've, they've said they've, like lived every cliche of the rock and roll lifestyle right you mm -hmm. know with you know from like whatever girls to doing you know drugs to having a you know having to go off stage and cancel the show because yeah. you know it's not going well or whatever to you know last minute cancellations of tour right um so they're kind of just like in the midst of all of this while they're you know really making cool art so they're they're yeah. they're putting in their time you know they're really doing it yeah um they're 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 the full experience yeah. of the rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what then? Da, 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 Star Power, 2014. That's yeah. where I'm at. Um, and Star Power. It's like dot 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 and Star Power. Right. And technically, yeah. you call that an ellipse. Uh, there those you dots. Go. Yes, if you're an English major, or something. which I, I am <laughs> not. 
uh, Ellipse and Star Power. Okay, right. And yeah. so I, I think they have like several tracks on this album that that have the phrase Star Power in the in the track name. Yeah. And I don't know, it's some kind of. Do you know anything about like the the lore or the the theme of why they called it Star Power? I don't know where mm. I didn't find where that came from. No, but the. I, so there's like a few narratives going around here that Sam has talked about. Um, like, cause you mentioned about like living every cliche rock star thing. Um, and I'm not sure if it started on this album or it was like more on the most recent album, but they also had all these like troubles with the music industry. Um, mm -hmm. Just like sketchy people or like false promises, outright lies or people just telling them they're going to be the next big thing like within the industry and all that sort of shit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It seems like maybe <laughs> it might be a nod to one of those things and star power. I, I don't see. I'm just like, uh, oh, you know, what's the word? Speculating. Yeah, but, but that's, um, you know, yeah. uh, what do they call it when you, I mean, an educated guess, but it's educated yeah. speculation. Yeah. Based on evidence. Yeah. Evidence-based speculation. Yeah, because like, yeah, they sort of talked about it all, and you know, we, we you mentioned earlier as well about being being a crossover band kind of thing, and I think think that was something that the Oxygen came up with. It was an industry term mm -hmm. from the label people, you know, seeing that these guys were like really talented but doing some really underground, obscure shit, like yeah. you know, really un unfriendly radio type songs, you know, yeah. just in terms <laughs> like, in terms of the quality as well, you know, not just the song structure, but like. Um, and so, like, yeah, I think they, they always, like, the label people thought, you know, they had the potential to, like, you know, be more of a crossover, you know, get some mainstream success. And then once you've got that, you can do your experimental shit and right. kind of like Radiohead, right? You know, like, super massive, but they can still get away with doing an electronic album. Or yeah, whatever, you'll be but, hard pressed to hear yeah. some, you know, 99% yeah. of Radiohead tracks on the radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. That's just like a theme that it seems to have cropped up in the last few years with them, and I don't right. know if it started on this album or not. But, but even um, even furthermore, yeah. and I think on Star on Star Power they have I don't know side side story. They have a, the the last song on and Star Power is called Hang. Okay, yeah, which is the title of their next album. Right. So I don't know if there's a connection there. Let I, us, I do know. Um, Follow the leader is the first track on Hang. And they wrote that track at the end of recording and Star Power. Mm -hmm. And they thought it would be on the same album. Oh. Uh, but they were like, this is actually pretty different. Like, um, I think we're going to play it. We're coming up to it, actually. It's in the list. It's yeah, happening I'm before we... <laughs> Natural progression. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Segway. That's good. We're, we're getting good at this, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Rado said that, uh, yeah, they wrote this track and then they were like, well, this is actually maybe more like a new direction for the next album kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, and uh, because they wanted, he wanted to like produce it like in a big, clean, crisp, like 70s production style kind of thing versus like the really raw DIY right. stuff, lo-fi stuff they've been doing kind of thing. Um, so I guess we'll just play it with that in mind. Let's like, get a, um, which one are we playing? Follow the leader off of Hang. Oh, no, actually, oh. I'm way too ahead. I'm way too ahead. Oh, we, that's what I was... We did have a track from Anstar Power. Damn okay. it, man. Fuck. No, no, no. It's all good. My 
natu- my natural segue is <laughs> well I, I led you there i led you astray because <laughs> i brought up that last song yeah um because we were talking about let's back up a second where were mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. i think they've just kind of been experiencing this this star power idea and you know whether or not they're you know coming to fruition with their musical career like are we going to be mainstream yeah like rock stars and like we made it and we can make a living off of this consistently or are we going to be always kind of in this underground indie stage yeah. where we're like we almost got success we're on the billboard charts you know not too high but you know and he he's he's i've i've seen him talking about in interviews like they have like a mediocre of fame but they're not really famous in any way yeah uh, so, so there's, I, I feel like these themes are kind of running through their heads and they're kind of questioning themselves as they're growing up and yeah. mo- moving through their career. Yeah. Like evaluating, you know, what their place in all of this Yeah, and, and also being able to be on tour and see how other groups are. I know like Sam is like, he didn't name any names, but he said, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have this like image, you know. And then you see, you meet them in real life and you realize it's all fake. Mm-hmm. Like it's just an image for like marketing or whatever. These people aren't actually that way that they're the way they're portraying kind of thing. Right. And I think they kind of fuck with their heads a little bit as well. Yeah. It's like, well, what is this? This all seems a little sketchy. Like, no, know? it is. <laughs> yeah. I, at the same time, I feel like yeah. they're playing into it a little bit because they, they yeah. dress up and they have this like aesthetic. You've seen the, the interviews, like they just have their shaggy hair and, right. um, you know they have like leather jackets or like a silly hat and sunglasses like they have a look they have an aesthetic yeah that kind of harkens back to some older like 70s type vibes yeah um that goes along with their music mm-hmm. but i don't know it's interesting i don't know what exactly what's going on in their head but based on what i read it sounds like they're wondering and figuring out their place in the world just like everybody else is yeah it's like probably like partly figuring themselves out whilst also the label and the marketing mm-hmm. people are like having a say as well and it's like nah, uh, looking yeah. back on it, it's a very yeah. artistic venture in general just yeah. you know they're like are we a band right you know, are, are we artists yeah you know what are we doing yeah. are we making a living from this they're, and i don't know everyone questions these existential questions like am i am i an artist am i doing this for money is this a product right what's artistic about this should i even be here yeah that's the like, thing yeah I think off camera, I've been like sort of maybe saying a few things to you about these these kind of notions as well that I've been thinking about. And it's like, I I know for sure that for me, I need to do music because it's like what I do, right? It's just like part of who yeah, I you feel am. Them. Yeah. I, I have to play. But then it's just like, you know, yeah, I, I do have an ambition to do more with that. But then I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean, you know? do i want you know you don't want fame you don't want money it's like it's very it gets very complicated when maybe it isn't right. maybe this is like you know first world problems or I, as i say or whatever but like you know <laughs> i mean no but i think you're talking about just humans think too much well yeah instead of just doing you should just do it get on with it and this i think what these guys do with oxygen a lot mm-hmm. of the time they just sort of put their heads down and just like you can hear it in the music you know they're not really right. It seems very organic, organically structured though. It seems very like, I don't know, specific, but but like indulgent in their own way. Like they're indulging in mm-hmm. in in these things without overthinking it. It's yeah, like, like they, comp- they choose yeah. to engage yeah. with something yeah. and then see it through. Yeah. And then they look at it objectively and reflect on it yeah. and learn from it, their own experience. Yeah. So, you know, they're, you know, I don't know, they're being their own therapists. 
in a way they're yeah. they're you know they're they're using their life as a a vessel of like question and like learning right you know like what you know live i mean everyone should do that it it's like being mindful like how am i what kind of personal agency do i have like i'm the one affecting everything around me and how are my choices going out and then reflecting back onto me yeah it's, it it gets it's super it's kind of heady and you know spiritual or esoteric yeah. But I feel like this is a lot of the kind of mindset these guys have, yeah, yeah, and that they're thinking about a lot. By yeah. by, you can just tell by the production of their music, yeah. and obviously by their interviews and the things that they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's all this stuff kind of leads me to why I think they're cool, right? Their music's good, and then I think their brains are cool too, and they're they're just, I think they're decent kids. You know, I don't know them, that, <laughs> I don't know them personally, but I think they're decent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as their 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 aesthetic and their music goes, very cool. Well, let's play a track off and star power, right? Um, how can you really? This track. Oxygen, how can you really? I was uh, I saw a crazy live version of that they did on um, David Letterman back in the day. That seems so long ago now that David Letterman was on TV. But uh, did he have a show at some point? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Late Show, Late Late Show, Late Show. Um, and they were. It was some people in the comments on YouTube I saw said they were. Like like the live version more than the recorded version. Mm. Um, I think they do that well. I think yeah. uh, Foxygen likes they like those live takes. Yeah, like you know, being in the studio. They, I remember, I do remember. I heard them talking, you know, about like when they're in Pro Tools or something. You can see your music. Yeah, and you can see when something's not on the beat, which I don't like. Right. Yeah, and, and mm. they they kind of like that. You know, leave it up to you know just our reality, our perception. Yeah. If we think we got close, then it's probably close enough. And if it sounds good, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I'm totally on board with that. That's the problem I've always had with computer music. Mm -hmm. When it first came out, I was like, okay, this is great. It's easy. But I didn't like the process because it was, it just was all very visual. Mm -hmm. And now click tracks were a thing. And now everything has to be on the grid. It's like, it's like, but man, but you know, a few months ago, we weren't talking about this. Why, why has the paradigm shifted? Yeah. So now we have to record in this way. Like, yeah. Where I'm like, it's not about the sound anymore, mm -hmm. which is the issue um, for me. So I totally agree with them. Like I've heard Foxygen say that, you know, they like to record to tape and they just like to have a live band in the room. Yeah. And like you say, r run the track from beginning to end, you know, mm -hmm. and then do overdubs. Right. Which is the traditional way of how it was always done before computers. Um, Right, so they're inspired by that, and they just want to yeah. live that life. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And a lot of other artists doing it that way as well, like Jack White. I mention a lot. Yeah, does it that way? Yeah, he's doing it well. We've even talked about Adrian Young and 
an episode as well. He's completely, he's the other way. Like I think Fox and Jim do integrate computers here and there. Mm-hmm. Whereas Adrian Young's like banishes them all <laughs> from his <laughs> <No>. studio, you know. <laughs> I don't even think Adrian Young has a cell phone. No, it doesn't. I don't think so. <laughs> I have to call him on the telephone, the old school rotary yeah. thing. Um, I, I usually hit him up on uh, like Morse code. Oh, okay, yeah. Adrian Young contacting you. Damn. On yeah, t- via TikTok. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now we're yeah. on Hang. Yeah. So that was uh Ann Star Power. Good track. Yeah. I feel like their first those those albums coming up into Ann Star Power were kind of their their come up. Yeah. You know, and they were experimenting as they went, doing this, trying that. Uh and then they get to 2016, Hang comes out. And mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a re- return to form. Mm. Or a little bit of a step back towards what they were doing before, mm-hmm. if anything. But it's still kind of a lot of the stuff we've heard piano. It's like piano rock, uh, a little bit of glam rock in there, carnival music, mm. um, old school musical theater. Mm-hmm. So still theatrical, but they're still hitting these different little, you know, hyper focused sections where you can feel that where the influence is coming from. Yeah. Uh, but the production is good. It's mixed well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, overall, very good. The vocals are kind of buried in the mix a little bit, mm. um, you know, harkening back to their old school style, like that first album. Uh, overall, very good though. Yeah, the album cover art is very cool. It's like all, it's like, um, I don't know, it's like paint. It's like a painting. And it's different colors, mm-hmm. and it's kind of abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this album? Really good. Well, they also put orchestra over this album, right? Oh, that's the right. Strings, which is really good. Yeah, I, can't, um, I, I don't know why I didn't write down who the orchestra was, but they worked with them in, yeah, you know, tight conjunction. Um, so they're out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, there's these two guys, Trey Pollard and Matthew E. White, worked on the orchestration. I think Trey was the conductor for the orchestra. Um, Space Bomb Studios out of Richmond, Virginia, as hmm. as those people, um, and the guys from Foxygen talk them up a lot, like you know saying how they've got that like, the space bomb studios got the whole own thing happening in richmond virginia which is like where they recorded all the strings for the this album hang um and uh uh the lemon twigs i think were a band that also feature on this album Stephen drosdy from the flaming lips oh he's yeah, on yeah. this album as well um he's the singer i think he's the drummer for um, for flaming lips Flaming Lips. I think Flaming Lips were a pretty big drums, guitar, style, keyboard. Yeah. And they were, these guys were coming up during that time, that kind of uh, indie rock. Yeah. They said they mentioned that when they were like starting the band in high school. It was the time where like Flaming Lips was like that yeah. type of era. I don't yeah. Know like if LCD sound system was that. Yeah. I think that was the same ish in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, strokes were big early 2000s. Right. This kind of indie rock thing coming up. Yeah. Uh, and you Arctic know, Monkeys, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. UK, but yeah, Arcade Fire, okay, yeah, no, yeah. but yeah, all these little mm-hmm. points mm-hmm. connecting the dots, and this is kind like of Modest Mouse. Mm-hmm. When people, I don't know, when people say Arcade Fire, I think of a, a Modest Mouse as well. I don't know really? if they're really very similar at all, but I don't know. Ish, I think. Ish. Yeah, I haven't delved into either of those bands fully. Yeah, Arcade Fire is on my list. It's high up on the list of bands to really dive into. Soon. I, I remember around this time, um, me and my brother discovered uh, this website, AOL Music Videos, 
Mm-hmm. I think it was before like YouTube had really taken off and AOL had a whole website and it was like this, it was kind of like MTV. It was like, it would just play random music video after random music video. And back then that's how I discovered like Modest Mouse, Arcade nice. Fire, um, Postal Service. Oh it yeah. Was all, it was kind of very well curated from AOL music. It sounds good. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like mainstream pop. It was like, kind of alternatives where, where did aol go wrong they had so much going for them like all of those people right yahoo and all that I yeah <laughs> they should be they're huge. still around and which blows my mind and yeah. still multi-million dollar companies but when was the last time you went to aol.com i don't know <laughs> i don't know never i don't know 20 yeah. years ago exactly yeah <laughs> um but yeah this album like all recorded to tape. Hang, we're talking about from Foxygen. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like interesting. They said when they recorded the the orchestra, they had two separate tape reels, like one tape reel with the band on it and the other tape reel with the orchestra. And mm-hmm. they like synced the machines up so they would like play in time kind of thing, you know. So that's like a whole art in itself. No, totally. That's cool. But yeah, yeah. And it um, ended up sound very good. So it was a very good project yeah i don't have anything else on this album do you no let's get let's play that track because it's we do have a track to play from it yeah it's really uh the strings are like a really nice touch Mm -hmm. on all this this is called follow the leader the first track from hang That's a big track there. That's a flapper. Uh, so many, I hear so many different things in it. I hear like Rolling Stones, I hear David Bowie, I hear Lou Reed, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I hear Foxy Jim. <laughs> I mean, I hear yeah. like uh, old school, like like Jackson 5, you know, like Jackson Motown. 5, yeah. I hear Elton John a little bit, I hear as mm-hmm. well, the piano in there. I mean, yeah, um, but just bombastic energy, yeah, you yeah. know, beautiful, just like flying synths, yeah. or not synths, but strings. Yeah, I saw uh, Ashley Rader did a breakdown video. Uh, this is on YouTube where he kind of breaks down how this track was built up kind of thing. It's kind of interesting. Oh, nice. Who said that? Who was who made the video? Um, or I, band or, members were in it? Yeah, Ra- just Rado. I'm sorry I keep calling him Rado. I just, I, I, yeah. That's his name, Rado. That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he sort of described it as like a sandwich because I guess it's like the le- the Lemon Twigs. Is that the name of that band? Oh, right. Um, yeah. Uh, they're like doing like the bait. He co- he described them as like doing the basis, the foundation. And then he's in the middle doing all of his like different sprinklings. And you've got the orchestra on top kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that feels right. Yeah. And he said there's like a lot of keyboards happening in there. He's like, he did a one line, I think, which the track starts out with. It sounds like a Rhodes, but it was like a Wurlitzer which is kind of like a Rhodes, and then he played a Rhodes on top of that, and oh. then they got piano in there, and then they got synths, 
And then he said there's like two different bass takes kind of thing from mm -hmm. two different times. And he soloed it and you could hear the, the cut. Like it was a really janky cut between the two bass lines. It sounded like a clip, like a... <laughs> just but, you can't, but you can't hear it in the track at all. It's, just, funny. it's lost in it's there. It's just lost in there. Um, I was going to say the bass. Yeah. I did like the bass on that track. Yeah, yeah. Just really beautiful. And it goes really well and powerful with the, the strings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And it integrates really well while having its own kind of presence and tone. Yeah. It's nice. And it's amazing to me that, you know, so many layers of instruments in that, but it all comes together really well. Like, yeah. Sounds very cohesive and powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, up until that point, kind of a high point for their um, for their band. Yeah. You know, like they're still, they're turning out very good, high quality music like that, working with, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, string arrangements and, and composers and other artists in their circles. Yeah. Um, so like firing on all cylinders, you know, they've been touring, coming mm -hmm. out with like some of their best music they've ever come out with. Mm hmm uh, and they they keep going on. Yeah, let's move on. That was Hang, 2016. Yeah, very good. And then their their final album that they've released so far, right? Seeing other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which they've said is their last album on Jag Jaguar. Yeah, it came out 2019. Yeah, and also people have been like, "Are you guys breaking up?" And they're like, "No," but like they're just taking a break, you know. I, they they have reached stage burnout, as we say. I feel like right seems like like yeah. they've they've been at this for years. Yeah, they've they've churned out a lot of good music. Yeah, they've built a lot of relationships and built a community and a, a fan base. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I did I was reading one of the interviews said they're like they're not broken up as a band, but they're also not together as a band right now. Yeah, you know, like it, it, he described uh, their relationship the the two of them sam and jonathan as kind of like family right like yeah. like I, like i don't feel like seeing them right now but eventually eventually we're going to get together because we we have to mm -hmm. because because of that relationship mm -hmm. it, like there's there's a magnet that's drawing them together yeah um and it's just based on like a lot of a musical relationship a friendship and a musical relationship because uh they they i just i know he, i was reading he was describing how like like Sam knows what Jonathan's referencing when he says, "Oh, I want to sound like this or like that," or yeah. uh, you know, trying to go for a vibe. And they, I, he's describing how if he was working with another musician, they could they could achieve something awesome, but it would take three or four hours. When when if John and Sam were in the room, he can get something done in five seconds. Yeah, just just from that that relationship and that experience level. Yeah, with each other, they just call that language. They know. Yeah. What the others kind of trying to achieve or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, yeah. And yeah. so just like everybody else, I, th I feel like they don't really know what they're doing. Like they, you can't put a label on it. Like we're broken up. We're on hiatus. Like they're just kind of experiencing themselves as, as we all are going through our own lives and they're, well, they're figuring it out as they go. And they, I, don't, I feel like they don't know right now. And I think all of like the, this business side of music and the touring and the fame and all that, it's kind of come to a head in this album as well. Mm -hmm. I've also heard Sam say about how he's kind of talking about that a lot in the lyrics as well. Mm -hmm. He said some people don't appreciate because like a lot of people go, everyone goes through that in the music industry, but no one talks about it. Yeah. He's talking about it. <laughs> um, Is that like a no-no? People don't want to hear you talk about that? You know, it depends, right? Because I, I used to really like Kings of Leon, like first album. 
And then there was a few years ago where I like heard some of their stuff and it was like, it just seemed like he was talking about being bored on tour, like mm -hmm. in the lyrics in this Kings of Leon song. And I was like, oh man, you guys are on the road so much. You, you have nothing else to sing about now. Right, right. Like, you know, so I feel from that perspective, it's not so great um, if you're in a bubble and that's all you've got no like life things to talk about. But I feel like for the way the Foxygen's doing it or Sam's doing it makes sense to me, you know, because they've, they've had a lot of struggle within this. Um, and I think he also said at some point, like he's finally figuring out how, how to do it, how to mm -hmm. navigate this industry. Um, but they need a break. Like I know he is doing like solo stuff. I think he has a solo album coming out and he's dropped a few tracks. He's writing a memoir. Um, I think book, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. about his whole experience. No holes barred, he said. Said he was influenced by reading the Miles Davis thing, and and Miles Davis apparently just spewed everything in his book and didn't leave any stone unturned. And oh wow! So Sam's decided to do that as well in his book. He said it's kind of cringe making and that, but he's like, he's like fuck it. He also said he doesn't care what the fuck people think about him anymore. So yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I th yeah, I think yeah, they've got a lot going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. I think they're figuring out where they want to go yeah. in the future. Yeah. Looking back, reflecting on where they've been. Yeah. And, you know, they've been, they're on a ride, pretty wild ride. Yeah. It's going pretty good, I think. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, we're talking about um, seeing other people is the title. Right. Yeah, yeah. And this came out in 2019. Yeah. And so, I mean, just based on the title alone, you can kind of tell, hmm, there, it seems like, just based off that title, speculation, yeah. but also based off their interviews and stuff, like they're looking elsewhere. Yeah, they're like, hmm, what what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Is this? Are, am I on the right path? Right. As individuals, Jonathan and Sam. Yeah. You know, should we keep doing this? Should yeah. we keep doing it in a different way? Do we try something new? I do have a quote. I can't remember which one of them said that. Mm -hmm. I didn't write it down. I'm sorry. Um, it's never just about failure. It's about not being famous and not ever reaching those crossover goals that you were told you're going to reach when you are one of those young new bands. Mm -hmm. um, so just just kind of commenting on that, because I think like you said, hearkening back, you, they were they were being told like this and that, like you're gonna be the next band, you're, yeah. you're the hot new band this year, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then like, does it come to fruition? Do they, you know, does that manifest in a real way for their career? Yeah. Um, also this album is one of the least theatric I would say mm. I feel like it's broken down a little bit, mm. um, stripped of some of the bombastic energy and kind of a little bit more subdued than the other albums. Mm. Maybe maybe it's due to their upcoming adulthood. Right, I'm not sure, but right. it, it is it's still high quality. And it's still you know intriguing. I think. Yeah, um, but I do. This is probably this is their newest album. I, I'm probably least familiar with this one. All things said yeah me too as well i did a deep dive into their back catalog and not didn't get around to this one um but um but i read a lot about it yeah i think we read the same interview that mm -hmm. was done um i think they wrote an open letter or something um sort of describing their outlook instead of like a normal press release they wrote what they called an open letter or something yeah like an op-ed uh, op-ed yeah um and they said various things in that. Um, but I was trying to find if I had any kind of smart quotes from that. Oh, um, 
one of the quotes from that open letter is with every album the band dies and with every album the band is reborn that was like a line yeah um and they sort of described this as the their final reincarnation for now um um yeah but i think it's all yeah also i think sam has kind of had even though they're not famous he's sort of had some like sketchy shit happening with like people trying to fans trying to break into his house late at night and he said yeah, he's had race training orders and stuff like that yeah i heard I, that as well uh, or i read it i suppose yeah and i think i think his reaction to that was like well is this is this maybe this is just normal for people that are kind for of famous people like famous me people. yeah exactly <laughs> no yeah i don't know yeah, yeah. But, i mean yeah again just kind of he's you know they're going through this experience yeah never having done it before yeah and just kind of experiencing it as they go. Yeah. And I can't imagine, you know, I've never been in these situations. Yeah. Even with their, their kind of low level of fame. You well, know, it's like, in, yeah, it's interesting to think about, right? There's like, you know, if you're coming up as a musician or a band or whatever, and you're thinking about making it, um, whatever making it is, you have to define that for yourself, I think. Um, but as, as I'm seeing with all of these different bands and that is, there are many different levels of careers that, these artists can have you know yeah where you can sustain yourself but you're not like well known to like the mass public at large mm -hmm. but then you have this like niche following that is very hardcore so much that they will stalk you and you have to get restraining orders against them yeah but that's happening and then the greater world still has not heard of your band or who you are or yeah it's very strange kind of like different levels of fame and yeah, you I'm sure they're asking themselves yeah. like yeah. what was my what was the point of where was I trying to go? Right. Yeah. Did I want yeah. this cult following of weirdo stalker people <laughs> yeah. and also at the same time not be really famous mm. like actually throughout the nation or the world? Mm -hmm. So was it was it worth it? Mm. Um I did I do have another quote and it's it's almost kind of like I hope it's not like bad vibes for their band or whatever but um Sam France said at some point in that interview I think I'm solo now. I just want to like have a family and stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. So it is, it does kind of seem like they're looking elsewhere. Yeah. To, you know, at different types of relationships in the world. Yeah. And wondering if maybe they should try something else because music's not giving them that full fulfillment. Yeah. I know Sam has a fiance and apparently he spent a lot of time living down in Texas with her. Yeah. She was going to school. Um, but he's back in California now. Said he prefers California. South doesn't, the South doesn't really jive with him. Yeah, that's what he that. was saying. And uh, all of his family and friends are up in California, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's very much like he, he's given a, a long, like one hour podcast thing that's up on YouTube. I didn't watch all of it, I just started to watch a couple of things. And he's just basically saying he's been taking a couple of years out, you know, not really. You know, yeah, just living life, like you were saying. Yeah, and I think, and fair enough, because they're yeah. going through the pandemic as well. Yeah, like their last album came out 2019. Right. Um. So great time to get it out, but right before everything shut down. Yeah. Um. And you know, everyone was questioning their lives during that lockdown. I think. Yeah. You know, like. But I think out of out of the duo, it seems that Sam's like you know, his concerns are about the industry and about the fame component and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Uh, where Rado, I haven't heard him really talk about that stuff specifically. I'm sure they share the same sentiments when it comes to the industry. Right. I mean, they wouldn't have made this album otherwise, you know, 
called seeing other people and with the content of the lyrics and stuff like that. But I know, but Rado seems very much like very like interested in the process of recording and engineering and experimentation yeah. and like I feel like whether he continues in this band or produces for other people or does his own stuff, like he's going to continue doing that. I think mm -hmm. you know, like um, whether you need to be in a band and tour to do that. I don't think right. you do because it's, that's a studio thing, right? But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but maybe maybe he's got a a future as an engineer or producer. Yeah. I don't know. That I mean, here we are. That's all I got on these guys basically. Yeah. Last album, um, Seeing Other People came out in two thousand nineteen and they're they're kind of may or may not be on hi hiatus right now. Yeah. Not sure what they're doing. If you guys know, let us know. But I mean this is about all yeah. um I've given my up to date status on this band. We got anything else? That's it. Go play out. Well then you guys let us know what they are doing. Sam. Where you at? Um, Rado, where you at? If you guys got any stories, though, about, about what they're up to, about their whereabouts, let us know. Um, this was a fun one. This was a good one. I like Foxygen. Start with 21st Century Ambassadors, if you want to listen. Yeah. But uh, thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks for listening. But please hit us up with that information. Uh, Jay's got the email right there. Roots to Grooves at SignalRadio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L Radio.com. Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S I G N L radio.com. <laughs>